You know, it's amazing if you look at just the past 100 years of human history, how much knowledge we have available to us that previous generations did not. (laughs) There was a a guy back in 1982, a, a futurist and inventor, Buckminster Fuller, who estimated that up until the year 1900, human knowledge doubled approximately every 100 years. So if you take all the knowledge known to mankind, he said up until the year 1900, it would double about every 100 years. But in 1945, the pace of knowledge was picking up significantly so that human knowledge was doubling every quarter century, every 25 years. And by 1982, it was doubling every 12 to 13 months. And now since 1982 and the dawn of the internet age, some experts tell us that human knowledge is doubling every 12 hours, which is hard to believe. And so there is a lot of knowledge available to us that previous generations never had. We have more knowledge at our fingertips than some of us had throughout our entire childhoods. Some of you remember encyclopedias, (laughs) libraries, (laughs) subscription services where you would get magazines or books. I mean, this almost seems like another world compared to where we are today. For example, it used to be the case that to access the Billboard Top 100 songs, you had to catch one on the radio with your cassette tape handy to hit record at just the right time to get the song, or you had to go down to a brick and mortar store and buy the record or the tape or maybe even the CD if you were super cool and hip, right? Now, if you just subscribe to iTunes, you have access to over 60 million songs. That's an example of how our knowledge and our accessibility has doubled and doubled and doubled and doubled and doubled and doubled and doubled. Some of us used to listen to, you know, radio stations driving down the road. And some of you remember a time where maybe you had access to a handful of radio stations. Now, if you have a satellite radio subscription, you have access to over 150 full-time channels. And it's overwhelming. (laughs) There's even a channel dedicated to Elvis which is the only justification you need for a satellite radio subscription, right? I mean, it's amazing how much our knowledge has advanced and is advancing in the world in which we live. We have more power in our cell phones than previous generations had in massive computers. I was reading an article recently about the Apollo 11 missions. And and here's the thing that, that stood out to me, the Apollo 11 guidance computer, okay? The computer that sent Americans to the moon, okay? Had 32,000 bits of RAM or memory, 32,000. We went to the moon in a capsule with 32,000 bits of memory. 
The latest iPhone has over four gigabytes of memory. In other words, 34 billion. We sent men to the moon with 32,000 bits of memory and the computer system they had and our phones that we carry around have 34 billion. The modern iPhone can hold 7 million times more data than the computer on Apollo 11. The processor on Apollo 11 ran 100,000 times slower than your phone. And yet we got to the moon and back. Even when things didn't work, Tom Hanks got us back on Apollo 13. I mean, didn't he do an amazing job, right? Things weren't even working right. And Tom always comes through in the clutch. Like this is an amazing development, okay? Like we live in the greatest period of human advancement that the world has ever known. Knowledge is increasing at a rate that literally none of us can really keep up with. That's why we live in an age known as the information age. It's really the internet age. We have access to more information and more knowledge than any generation before us. It's, it, it, it is, and it can be overwhelming, right? And, 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 so, and so here's the thing, like you go back to 95 and 96 when the internet first came out, only 1% of the world used it. Today, 68% of the world use the internet on a regular basis, 68%. It's increasing year over year over year, five years from now, 10 years from now. There'll be more knowledge available to more people than ever before. There are jobs being created now and that will be created in the future that some of us would have never dreamed of. Literally, some of you are like living out your childhood dream of being in an episode of the Jetsons. And yet with all of this knowledge that we have at our disposal, all of this information, all of this accessibility, all of this technology, the world doesn't seem to be any smarter. I would argue that we are none the wiser. In fact, if you look at the trajectory of some segments of our society, you would say we are less wise today than we were 40 or 50 years ago. So we have more knowledge than ever before. We're, as you know, between being knowledgeable and being wise. Between having the right information and knowing what to do with it. And we're in a series called Knowing God where we're looking at some of the key attributes of God. And today, I think it's really important we focus on the wisdom of God. Because when you get to know God, not only do you get to know him first and foremost as a holy, righteous, glorious God. That's what we talked about last week. The fact that God is holy. He's set apart. He's not like us. He doesn't need us. He is beautiful and majestic and wonderful and perfect in all of his ways. He is infinitely wise and just. He, he, he is he is just so set apart from all that he's made, but yet involved in what he's made so that we can know him and know him personally and intimately. And as you get to know him and his holiness and his glory and his power, you will also get to know his wisdom because to know God is to know him not only as a holy God, but as a wise God. Today, I wanna to show you that wisdom is actually the practical outworking of God's holiness. Because God is holy, he is wise. 
You see, wisdom is simply the opposite side of the coin from moral goodness. Here's how this works. Because God is holy, he is righteous. And because he is righteous, he is always right. And because he is always right, everything he does, he does in wisdom. He not only knows all things, he does the right things in every situation. God is not only holy and righteous, he is right in all that he does. He is wise. And listen to me, we need the wisdom of God now more than ever. (laughs) We have knowledge. Knowledge is not our problem. We need wisdom. We need wisdom. And so as we, as we kind of break down the wisdom of God this morning, I, I want to do it in three ways. First of all, I want to answer the question, what is wisdom? All right, so what is wisdom? How does it differ from knowledge? I want to talk about how, how we get it and then how we walk in it, all right? How we, how we lean into it on a regular basis. So we'll talk about what is wisdom, how do we get it, and then how do we walk in it every single day of our lives. All right, first of all, what is wisdom? Let me give you my definition for wisdom, barring from a lot of other people who've talked about this over the years, ultimately looking at the nature and character of God. Here it is, if you're looking for a definition to jot down, wisdom is knowing the best outcome in any situation and how to achieve it. What does it mean to have wisdom? What is wisdom? Wisdom, simply put, is knowing the best outcome in any situation, how to achieve it. Best outcome, how to achieve it. That's what, that's what makes wisdom different than knowledge. You can know something without knowing the best outcome of the information that you have, how to achieve what is actually best with the knowledge you have. You can have knowledge, but not wisdom. Our world has knowledge. Our world lacks wisdom. Well, what does that mean? We lack the ability to know the best outcomes with the knowledge we have and how to achieve them. Let me give you an example. Knowledge is knowing my anniversary date. And I know it. It's tomorrow. <laughs> June 13th, all right? Tomorrow, tomorrow, that's it. All right, good, 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 okay. My wife and I have been married two years. We're uh, 24 years old and uh, no, we've been married a long time and, and I've never forgotten my anniversary. That's knowledge. I have lacked wisdom in celebrating our anniversary. (laughs) Our very first year together, I told some of you this before, our very first year together, we were living in Ohio and um, I grew up in Southern Ohio and and I'm a Cincinnati fan at heart, you know, and and so that was kind of like the beginning of interleague play in baseball. It was like one of the first times that like the Cincinnati Reds would be playing the Cleveland Indians, okay, the two Ohio professional baseball teams. And so they happened to be playing in Cincinnati for the first time in interleague play on our anniversary. I thought, what a miraculous gift that would be to my wife who hates baseball. (laughs) But I thought she loves me. And so I bought tickets, but I just didn't buy two tickets. I thought, oh, it would be so cool if my parents could come. (laughs) To our one year anniversary celebration. 
at a baseball game that my wife cares nothing about. She's never let me forget about that. So tomorrow, no offense to Tampa Bay, I will not be at a race game. And I will not be with my parents, <laughs> although we love them dearly. <laughs> knowledge is one thing. We have more knowledge than we've ever had literally in the history of the world. We have more knowledge just in the past year than we've had in the history of the world. At least our access to it. That doesn't mean we have wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is knowing the best outcome with the knowledge that you have and then how to achieve it. Wisdom. Secondly, how do we get it then? How, how do we get to a place in our lives to where we not only have knowledge, but we are able to discern the best outcomes with the knowledge that we have and then how to achieve them? Okay, that's what knowledge uh, is, okay, in terms of the application of wisdom, okay, having knowledge and then applying wisdom to it, best outcomes with with how to achieve them. So, so then how do we get that wisdom? If wisdom is not knowledge, then how do we get it? And so many people today think that wisdom comes just through experience or example or education. But listen to me very, very carefully. Wisdom does not come from any of those things. I can introduce you to plenty of people with plenty of education who are some of the most unwise people in the world. Education is no guarantee for wisdom. Experience is no guarantee for wisdom. Example, no guarantee for wisdom. So where do we get wisdom? Well, let's turn to God's word. And, and let me take you back to Job 28 and, and give you some verses here that remind us you don't get wisdom here on this earth, okay? Through education, example, or experience. Here's, here's what the scripture says, but where can wisdom be found? And where is understanding located? Okay, that's what we're asking, right? Here's what, here's what Job said. No one can know its value since it cannot be found in the land of the living. I love that verse. You will never find wisdom in the land of the living. If you're looking for wisdom here on this earth, you're looking for it in the wrong place. You won't find wisdom in education. You won't find wisdom in experience. You won't find wisdom in example. It cannot be found in the land of the living. But here's the thing. But God understands the way to wisdom and he knows its location. In other words, if you truly want wisdom in your life, knowing what the best outcome is in any situation and how to achieve it, listen to me very, very carefully. You have to look beyond the land of the living to the God who is wise. You, you won't find wisdom here. You can only find wisdom in him. God understands the way to wisdom. He knows its location. He said to mankind, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn from evil is understanding. Right, Solomon, the wisest person who ever lived said this to us in Proverbs one, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Solomon talking here about where we find wisdom, knowledge with its application of best outcome and how to achieve it. It's only found in the Lord. The apostle Paul writing at the end of Romans said this, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation about Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept silent 
for long ages, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures, according to the command of the eternal God to advance the obedience of faith among all of the Gentiles to, check this out, the only wise God through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever. Here's what Paul says. Our God is the only wise God. What he means by this is not that there are a bunch of gods and our God's the only wise one. He means there's only one true and living God and that God is wise. He is the only wise God. So where do we get wisdom? How do we get wisdom? We have to go to its source, right? The source for wisdom is not education experience example. Those things may play a role in the development of wisdom if we are foundationally leaning into the wisdom of God. And that begins with the fear of the Lord. How do you get the fear of the Lord? Well, you need to see the Lord like Isaiah saw him. That's why last week we started with holiness. You see God for who he is. It will cultivate in you a healthy fear with reverence and awe that leads you to the place where you are willing to listen to what he has said and do what he's commanded to do. And in that, you will begin to walk in wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because God, again, as the possessor of both moral goodness, also has infinite wisdom. The God who is righteous always does what is right, and he acts in wisdom in every single thing he does. And so you can have knowledge, but you cannot have wisdom without a personal relationship with the God only wise because he is wisdom's source. And so then the third question, how do we walk in wisdom? Okay, what is it? Well, wisdom is the combination, right, of knowing the best outcome in any situation and how to achieve it. So how do we get that wisdom? Well, we get it by, by turning to God because there is no wisdom here in the land of the living. <laughs> Just turn on the television you'll find plenty of verification of it. There is no wisdom here. No wisdom source is outside of our known world. It exists only in the nature and character and infinite knowledge of God. Wisdom is the opposite side of his moral goodness. He is righteous, he does what is right. So we look to God. So, so, so then how do we perpetually walk in wisdom where we know what we know, but then we also are able to deal with our knowledge in such a way that we have best outcomes and how to achieve them. How do we walk daily in this wisdom? And listen to me, there's just two words I wanna give you to jot down, two words. Here's how you walk in wisdom, okay? You pray and you read. You say, it's that simple? Yeah, it's that simple. Now it's not easy, but it's simple. How do I get this wisdom? How do I walk in this wisdom daily? You pray and you read. You know what James tells us? James says, does, does anyone lack wisdom? Now, I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands because some of you would lie and not raise your hand. So I'll just, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just ask hypothetically, does anyone lack wisdom? Does anyone need wisdom? Does anybody want wisdom? I do. You know what James says? Ask of God. You know why you ask of God? Because he's the source. And you ask of God because this is what James says, he gives to all men generously. We have a generous God. And here's the thing about our God. He doesn't want you to be stupid. 
He doesn't want you to live a life where you rob yourself of joy and peace and fulfillment. God doesn't want you to live your life in such a way that you get yourself into financial trouble or relational trouble. God doesn't want you to live your life in such a way that you create unnecessary hardship. Listen, God is for you. That's why he sent his son for you. And James says, do any of you lack wisdom? Do any of you need wisdom? He's like, just ask, pray and ask God to guide you in wisdom. And he gives to you generously. So you have to pray and you have to read because the reading comes with embracing the revealed will and word of God that is full of wisdom cover to cover. Why is this book known as the Bible, the Holy Scriptures? Why is it essential for walking in wisdom? Because this is a living word given to us by a living God and it reveals his nature and his character and it is full of wisdom. Wisdom, not just knowledge, wisdom. Right? And so you pray. James says, do you lack wisdom? Do you need wisdom? Do you want wisdom? Yes. Then just ask. God will give you wisdom. And then read and put into your heart and put into your mind the word of God that he's given to us that reveals to us his nature and character and the majority of how we need to live our lives. There's so much wisdom in the word. If we'll just pray and read, here's what happens. The overwhelming majority of difficult decisions that you have to make as you're contemplating best outcomes and how to achieve them, listen to me very, very carefully. The majority of those decisions are already settled with the wisdom of God's word. Now we get all caught up in, okay, who am I, who am I gonna marry? Who should I marry? Well, I don't know. But I know this, if you're a Christ follower, he or she better be a Christ follower. I know this, if you're a Christ follower, then he or she better be a hard worker who assumes responsibility for his or her actions as one for whom Christ died. I mean, there are some things that are foundational that are in God's word. Now, I don't know specifically who, where should I go to college? What should I do with the rest of my life? We get so caught up in these big decisions and they're huge decisions. They require prayer and counsel and that's, that's good. But, but listen, do you realize that the overwhelming majority of life decisions could be made in wisdom by simply applying God's word to our lives? How do I get wisdom? Well, I have to look to God because there's no wisdom in the land of the living. I have, to, I have to look to its source. And then how do I walk in it then, okay? Wisdom is the application, right? It's the application of knowledge in this way that I know the best outcome in any situation and then how to achieve it. I find that wisdom by looking to God who is wisdom's source and I walk in it daily by praying and reading, praying and reading. I'm looking to God in prayer and I'm looking to his word and applying it to my life with the courage and the boldness to do what he has instructed me to do because all that he's instructed me to do, he's instructed for my benefit and he's instructed in wisdom. That's why Paul says at 1 Corinthians 3, check this out. He says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool so that he can become wise. For, I love this, the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. You know what the foolishness of the world tells you?
that you can have salvation and eternal hope by just doing your very best and believing your very best. That's worldly wisdom. That's not godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is you can only have salvation not by building yourself up, but by humbling yourself and acknowledging your desperate need for salvation. You know what worldly wisdom says? Well, we have progressed in our understanding of humanity so that a biological male can be a biological female just by believing it. That's not the wisdom of God. We, we live in a world with more knowledge than we've ever had before, not wisdom. Well, what is wisdom's source? It's God. Why? Because God is morally pure, righteous in all of his ways, meaning he always does what is right, meaning that all that he's revealed to us in his word and through the power of his Holy Spirit and presence is full of wisdom. And, and so here's the thing. Paul reminds us the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. There's no wisdom in this world. We have to live on a trajectory that's different from the trajectory of the world. You know how Jesus referred to this? It's the narrow path. You wanna be on the wide path, that's a path without wisdom. Wide has no wisdom. You wanna walk in wisdom, you're gonna have to put yourself on the narrow path. And it's amazing with all knowledge that we have that we have so little wisdom because it's what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. Most people don't wanna do what it takes knowing best outcomes and how to achieve them to walk in wisdom. But that's what is required. You pray, you read, and you apply, you do. And here's something Pastor Andy Stanley said years ago that I think is so incredibly helpful. This is what we need to understand when it comes to walking in wisdom, okay? That direction, listen, not intention determines destination. The direction of your life, not the intention of your heart, determines your destination, where you end up. Here's what I mean by that. Listen, there, there, there are some people who live life with good intentions, but the direction of their lives is taking them away from actually what they would intend to see happen. Most of us will say, well, sure, I wanna walk in wisdom. Sure, I wanna live in wisdom. Sure, I wanna see God's wisdom applied to my family and my finances and my job and my children and all that. Of course, we wanna see that happen. But, but, but so often, despite our good intentions, our life is, is, is characterized by a direction that's getting us to the wrong destination. It's direction, not intention, that determines destination. Listen to me, your intention can be to have financial freedom. That's walking in wisdom. But if you keep driving, your life toward debt, your destination will be financial bondage. You can have the best intentions in all the world. If you're not living based on how God has told you to live, then what happens? You have not financial freedom, but financial bondage. Your intention can be to have freedom, but if your direction and the decisions you're making are working against that, guess what? Your life will end up in the direction, right? That you're headed, not the intention of your heart. Direction, not intention, determines destination. Your intention can be to have a meaningful marriage. But if you keep drifting toward sexual deviation, then you're gonna rob yourself of a meaningful marriage. Your intention can be one thing, your direction is another entirely. And so here's the bottom line. If you keep living your life with good intention, but wrong direction, you'll never get to where you truly need to be. It's just like 
when some of us used to drive without GPS on our phones. Let me back up. It's like when some of us used to drive without phones. I'll never forget a time my lovely bride was driving. We, used to, we lived uh, in, in a place in Kentucky, right between Louisville and Lexington. I'll never forget one, one day she, she had a phone, but it didn't have GPS. And she called me and she said, hey, she's like, uh, you know, she's on her way home. It's getting late. She calls me, she says, hey, am I supposed to take this sign toward Lexington? We live 30 minutes from Lexington. I'm like, honey, no, Lexington, where are you? Apparently I'm somewhere close to Lexington. We don't live in Lexington. Turn around, right? Her intention was to get safely home. She was not gonna get safely home. I've done that myself. You've done that. Those of us who used to live without immediate GPS on your phone, we've all done that, right? Your attention could be one thing, but your direction's another thing. And it's your direction, not at your intention that leads to destination. And here's what I'm trying to suggest to you. You can have all the knowledge in the world if you don't have godly wisdom through prayer and through the application of his word to see the best outcome in every situation. If that's your financial situation, if that's your marriage situation, if that's your kid's situation, whatever it is, right? Your career, if you, if you can't see godly wisdom through the best outcome of that and then how to achieve it, and then discipline yourself to achieve it, you'll never get there. So it's simple. Walking in wisdom is simple. It's not easy. You know why it's not easy? Because our hearts are inclined to lean into the wisdom of the world. That's our natural programming. It's like the great hymn, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing, my favorite verse, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Our natural inclination is to apply worldly wisdom to our lives, not godly wisdom. And even though sometimes we have the best intentions, our lives spiral toward terrible directions. See, the world says, well, you deserve whatever you want, even if you have to take on unhealthy debt and interest payments to get it. You know what wisdom says? If you can't afford it, don't buy it. You realize how radical that is in our society? Actually, you don't deserve anything. And that which you work to obtain, you work by God's grace and enabling, and as a good steward of what he's entrusted to you, you have a responsibility to manage it effectively. The world says, well, you're defined by what you do, so work yourself into a meaningful identity, even if you have to neglect your family. You know what godly wisdom says? You can provide for your family without neglecting them. Worldly wisdom says, well, the key to a fulfilling marriage is to focus on your happiness. You know what godly wisdom says? No, the key to a fulfilling marriage is to focus on your spouse's happiness and his or her holiness. Totally different perspective. Worldly wisdom says, well, you can justify your actions by your feelings. You know what godly wisdom says? Your feelings can often betray you. And so you live your life by faith, not how you feel. Worldly wisdom says, well, you can have lasting hope by simply doing your very best and believing what you believe is best, right? Godly wisdom says, no matter how hard you try, you can't save yourself. You can only find salvation through the grace of God. 
Isn't it amazing how quickly our hearts can drift toward worldly wisdom? Sometimes we know what we should do, but we don't do it. Sometimes we know what we shouldn't do, but we do it anyway. You know, you know who else was like that? The Apostle Paul. I'm thankful for his testimony, aren't you? That one of the greatest Christians who's ever lived said of himself, you know what, there are sometimes I know what I should do and I don't do it and I know what I shouldn't do and sometimes I do it anyway. You know why? Because we're all prone to wonder. We're all hardwired through sin to follow our own worldly wisdom, which is no wisdom at all. That's why we get into the messes we're in. And, and so you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if without wisdom, your life will be a train wreck because it's your direction, not your intention that determines destination. So here's the thing, what is wisdom? It's the, it's, it's the application of knowledge in this way. You know the best outcome in any situation and how to achieve it. You know the best outcome in your financial management. You know the best outcome in your marriage. You know the best outcome. You know what the outcome is. You know, it's in, the, it's in God's word, but it's how to achieve it. Say, well, how do I get that wisdom? Well, I look to God. I look, look to him in prayer. I look to him in his word. And then here's the thing. Daily walking in it, what does that mean? It, 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 it means I'm gonna have to make some decisions that might end up making me look like a fool in the eyes of the world. And so we, we have to make a daily decision, don't we, as Christ followers? Either we're gonna look like a fool sometimes in the eyes of the world to live a life of wisdom before our great and holy God, or we're gonna cave and we're just gonna continue to do what we believe worldly wisdom would direct us to do. And, and that's gonna put us on a path of direction despite our intention that's gonna get us to the wrong destination. We have to decide. That's why Dave Ramsey said, I love this. And when it comes to financial management, for example, right? What does he say? I love this simple statement. He says, if you want to live, right? Like if you want to live like nobody else lives, like very few live with freedom, right? Then you're going to have to live like nobody else lives. And you're going to look funny driving your hoopty around <laughs> for a season where you get where you need to be, right? You're going to look funny not posting all these elaborate vacation pictures on social media during the summer because you're being wise with what you have and you're only doing what you can afford to do. You're gonna look different, but I love what he says. If you wanna be different in a good way, then you gotta be different in what the world would deem a bad way. Isn't that just common sense? No, it's not common sense because if it were, everybody would do it. Wisdom is knowing the best outcome and how to achieve it and how do I do that? I've got to set a direction for my life in wisdom with good intention and godly intention that gets me to the right destination. And to do that, I'm gonna have to lean into the wisdom of God more than the wisdom of the world. And that takes tremendous discipline and intentionality. It's only possible through a relationship with God, the enabling of his Holy Spirit, but then we have to be intentional because the natural inclination of our heart is to drift away from the wisdom of God. And let me give you one more example. It's the life of the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon. Y'all remember him? 
Early in life, Solomon had a choice. I mean, literally had a genie in a bottle, so to speak, right? God gave him a choice. God appeared to him and said, what do you want? I'll give you anything. And Solomon asked for wisdom. And this pleased the Lord that he asked for wisdom to know God, right? To know the best outcome in every situation, how to achieve it, to honor God. He knew wisdom came from God. He said, God, I want your wisdom. And this pleased the Lord. And and God gave Solomon more wisdom than any human being has ever had, right? But it's direction, not intention that leads to destination. So what do we see in Solomon's life? Well, we see him as a young man in the song of Solomon, youthful, optimistic. You see that he makes some decisions that that are definitely exemplary of a man who loves God and is walking in godly wisdom. And then you get to the Proverbs, right? Later in life as a father, you see Solomon talking out of his abundant wisdom to his sons on how to live. And then, uh uh-oh, you get to Ecclesiastes which might as well be named the most depressing book in all the Bible. Are you with me on this? I don't even know what Ecclesiastes means. I'll tell you what it means, depression. That's what it means. Like this is the same guy who wrote the Song of Solomon? This is the same guy who wrote Proverbs? You look at Ecclesiastes, I mean, it is sad. Now it's full of wisdom. But it's the wisdom of God borne out through a life of the wisest man who ever lived, short of Jesus, of course, who largely squandered his wisdom, not with poor intention, but bad direction. Say, so how did Solomon get to a place late in life he was so jaded, so unfulfilled? You know how he got there? one daily drift at a time. Early in his life, listen to me very, very carefully. Early in his life, he loved the Lord. He loved the Lord so much, he asked for wisdom more than wealth or power or anything. He got all those things because the Lord blessed him. Why the Lord blessed him? Because he loved the Lord. He sought the Lord's wisdom above all else. And he took on a monumental project that his father David envisioned building the temple. And what did he do in building the temple? Oh man, like he, he went all in. I mean, he built a temple, <laughs> elaborate, magnificent. God warned him. He said, Solomon, for your heart to stay true to me, you can't live like the world. You're not to take foreign wives. You take foreign wives, you take foreign gods. God gave him some parameters. You know what Solomon did? Just listen to this fell in love with a daughter of Pharaoh. Beautiful. Man, he drifted. The drift wasn't so profound early in his life, right? But, but here's what happened. Check this out. Here's what happened. Check this out. At the same time, literally, over this period of many, many years, he's building the temple for the Lord. You know what else he was building? A palace for his foreign born princess. Is that not just dumbfounding? At the same time he's building a house for the Lord, he's building a house for his foreign born wife. The wisest man who ever lived. You say, you say, how does he do that? Because he leaned in to the natural inclination of his heart. He failed to give 
proper credence to the warnings of God and the wisdom of God that if you do these things, it will come back on you. He just, he drifted naturally as we all do into his hardwiring of worldly wisdom. And no, it's gonna be okay. And it's not that big of a deal. And early on, that did not seem to be the case. But as you look at the trajectory of his life, here's what I want you to see about Solomon. It was direction, not intention that determined his destination. And although he started out so well with so much wisdom and so much good intention, he allowed his heart to drift toward worldly wisdom and wives and wealth and power and privilege. And over the course of many years, his identity was tied to all of these things so that this young, optimistic, hopeful, wise man gets to the end of his life. And what does he say? He says, it's all just vanity. I wasted it. You think you're gonna find your fulfillment in sex? Trust me, I've had more sex than anybody. I'm paraphrasing here, don't go look this up, okay? That's not exactly what he said, but I'm just saying that's what he said. He's like, you think you're somebody because you've slept with X amount of people in your life? No, no, it doesn't compare to me. There's no fulfillment there. You think that if you get to a certain income level that you're gonna be exactly where you need to be and you're gonna have all this, ah, you're not gonna outwealth me. And now it's like, I got everything, but it's like, I got nothing. I mean, he just walks through, look at Ecclesiastes. If you just want to be depressed, read that tonight. <laughs> and you see a man, he wasted it, wasted it. Did he do it overnight? No, we didn't do it overnight. How did this happen? Because he just leaned in a little bit early to a direction that was not wise. And he didn't think it'd be a big deal and didn't, didn't think it would hurt him. And, and over time, it was this direction, not his intention that led to his destination. What was his destination? Vanity. Wasted it. And so here's what he said at the end of Ecclesiastes, okay? <laughs> I'm not gonna get into all the vanities because I don't want you to leave here depressed. I want you to leave here committed to walking in a wisdom that Solomon didn't walk in even though he had it, Right? Here's what he says, when all's been heard, the conclusion of the matter, it kind of would have been nice if he just would have put this in the first chapter and saved us all the other depressing stuff, right? <laughs> hey, my name's Solomon. Y'all know me. Everybody knows me. Uh, when all's been, let me just get down, <laughs> let me just cut to the chase. Okay, it took him 12 chapters, but here's what he said. You can go through all the vanities, right? All the wasted opportunities, everything he wasted. Here's what he says. He says, hey, everybody, when, when you get down to the heart of the matter, the conclusion of the matter is this, fear God and keep his commands because this is for every single one of you and it's for me. I didn't think it was for me. I thought I could take these foreign wives. I thought I could take these foreign gods. I thought I could, you know, lean into my wealth and privilege and power. I thought, I, I didn't think it applied to me. No, it does. You wanna walk in wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? And you keep his commands. What is he saying? You know the best outcome in every situation, how to achieve it, and you do it. You say, there's gonna be some people in my life that don't understand, that's fine. If you wanna walk in wisdom, it's a narrow road. It's not the wide road. He says, you wanna know the bottom line, fear God and keep his commands. This is for all of us. There are no exceptions to the rule. See, there's a danger of duplicity that exists in all of us. We maintain good intentions while at the same time make horrible decisions. Am I talking to anybody today? The danger of duplicity, you can have 
good intentions and still make horrible decisions because it's direction, not intention that gets to your destination. So how do we walk in wisdom? We pray, we read, we do, which is where James ends up, right? He says, be a doer, not just a hear, do it. And so I'd like for you to stand with me as we, um, as we prepare to sing and respond. Listen, here's what I'd like for you to do today. I'd like, I'd like if you would just take a moment right where you are and um, just come before the Lord in a spirit of prayer. And maybe there's a single area of your life that God's just brought some conviction to your heart about. Maybe there's just a situation. Maybe there's a pattern. And maybe today it's just the Holy Spirit speaking to you saying, hey, you know, it's time to step up and make a hard decision. It's time to walk in wisdom. It's time to do what the world does not understand. It's time to quit being duplicitous and not just to lean into intentions, but direction. Because we, we know a God who is wise, serve a God who is wise. He is for our good. He intends only that which is best. And at the conclusion of it all, fear God and keep his commands and you will walk in wisdom.